Wednesday, November 22. It's your Born the Battle podcast brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I noticed that like I say podcast after the title like every other time or like every third time. And it's it's such a it's a bad habit from back in the day when everything had the word podcast in it, right? I did the Veteran Empire podcast, the A Couple Good Ideas podcast. Everything was the title podcast. Uh, but, you know, I guess technically it's just born the battle. I guess there's no... Uh, but nevertheless, we're here. I'm Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson, your host. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Some of you may be even commuting, uh, or I should say traveling, to wherever it is that you're going to be spending Thanksgiving. Maybe some of you are listening to this on your commute uh, to work on Thanksgiving Day. I know a lot of you out there still have to uh, have to work. But uh, either way, whatever it is that you are doing this week for uh, the holiday or for the non-holiday, for you know, if you're not uh, not into that, uh, I hope that you're having a pleasant week and that you're getting uh, some good time uh, to yourself with some family, with some friends. Whatever it may be, I know I will be uh, in my backyard finishing a fence. So that's how exciting my Thanksgiving uh, will be. That's all I really have for a pre-interview note. Nothing else really going on. Uh, Everybody seems to be catching up from uh, post-Veterans Day week events. And we're just going to roll into the interview. Nate Boyer, Army veteran. Most of you probably recognize his name from current news around the NFL and such, but uh, I wanted to bring Nate on and talk about his other efforts because uh, I've I talked to Nate a couple years ago on a podcast I did called Fuelful Warriors. Nate does some cool stuff. He's involved in some cool initiatives. Water Boys being one of them, helping deliver clean water uh, overseas, uh, Africa in particular, and then Merging Vets and Players, a an initiative that brings together combat veterans and athletes that are maybe past their professional prime or they're done with their professional uh, career, bringing them together to help sort of reestablish that camaraderie that uh, that they may be missing from the from the military or uh, playing professional sports. So, uh, and then him and I are going to talk about a number of other things like his service, his transition, uh, you know, playing uh, for the University of Texas for the Seahawks, etc. So, without further ado, Army veteran, former Green Beret, Nate Boyer. Enjoy. father served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA careers to find out more. Nate, we're going to start where uh, I start all of my interviews, and that's going to the one decision that we all have in common as veterans, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Uh, bring us back to that day for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I made the decision to join the military when I was uh, stricken with malaria on my deathbed. In my mind, I thought I was on my deathbed anyway. In, uh, in Chad. Uh, neighboring country to the Sudan in uh, along the Darfur region in 2004. I was over there doing some relief work for a couple of months and 
I just felt like, I don't know, I gained my, I kind of gained my patriotism over there and felt like it was uh, something that, that, I don't know, it's not something I always wanted to do, certainly, but it was something that I just felt inspired to do uh, in, that, in that point in my life. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I sort of gained my patriotism in Africa, which is ironic because it's so far from America, but uh, those people over there, just how grateful they were that an American would leave what he has here to go over there and, and sort of fight for them was uh, inspiring to me. I mean, the kind of gratitude I was shown uh, just made me really want to, you know, to defend what we have here, but continue to fight for those that can't fight for themselves in places like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess just, I don't know. I mean, we're in a time of war and it just felt like it was the right time for me. So that's really what inspired me. That's awesome. I think you touched on it right there on, on the people you interacted with, but can you, can you just expand a little bit more on like how, like what, what do you remember like a particular experience that you had that made you like all of a sudden feel that, that, that uh, feeling of patriotism? Uh, I mean, j- just the conversations I had with the people over there that, uh, like I said, they were just so grateful that I would, I would leave somewhere like this to go over there. So somewhere like that and uh volunteer you know and i mean and that's essentially what you do in the military and i i don't know it was just like this moment of clarity when i was sick uh i was listening to the bbc radio uh while i was laid up in that bed and, and like the first battle of fallujah was going on and uh so it was like like the play the play-by-play on the bbc uh, of like what was going on and uh just thinking about these you know young men that were over there uh risking and, and some losing their lives uh, for, for freedom. It just, I don't know. I, I wanted to kind of earn my, earn my patriotism and, you know, essentially earn my stripes as we say in the military. Yeah. Can you, so the, the name of the, the show is born the battle and, and um, we understand that every, you know, military service member has their own <laughs> challenge in the military. So can you uh, just briefly d- describe or point out one uh, battle or challenge that you had during your service, whether that be literal combat or um, another uh, challenge that you had during your service? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of challenges. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to, to tell a lot of war stories. That's not really my thing, but I, you know, I, I will talk about the, uh, I mean, just be, trying to become a Green Beret is very challenging in itself. And, uh, there's battles you go, they go on in your mind every day, you know, and that, that, uh, feeling like you want to quit and that you're not, uh, you're not cut out for this. It creeps in often, man. And, uh, I think everybody that serves at an elite level like that has had that moment where they had to sort of make that choice, uh, to just push on and, and tough it out and, you know, ignore the pain at at some level or at least recognize the pain and push through anyway, uh, or just quit. And, uh, for me, I guess the first, the first time that sort of popped up was just in basic training. I mean, when I joined, I was not in good shape. I was, not a physical uh, specimen by any means. I was not an athlete, none of that stuff. And uh, I, I just, probably three days into basic training, I was just, you know, one of the slowest and weakest in the class. And I remember thinking, there's just no way I'm going to make it. There's no way I'm going to become a Green Beret. This is impossible. Uh, it's awesome, though. I'm in the military. You know, I'll still get to serve and uh, I'll probably be in the infantry or something. But uh, I just, 
I'm just too uh, too weak for this. And uh, and then I just I don't know. I remember just looking around at the the other guys in my class around me and noticing that they were all struggling too, and <laughs> they were all suffering too, and that we were not alone in this deal. And uh, I, I just I just sort of I don't know. Like in that moment, just remember shifting my thought and, and thinking, you know what? If I just outwork every single person in this room. Um, I'll at least give myself an opportunity to get through it and, uh, and to complete all the courses. Yeah. And, and so I started to challenge myself, you know, I mean, some days I would, I would go out to the, to the track when we had a, a free hour or two in basic and I would like do like a mile of lunges or something ridiculous that I didn't think I could complete some sort of a challenge that even I thought was, you know, beyond my uh, capacity and, and I complete it and then I would, challenge myself in another way the next day and just sort of keep hitting those little benchmarks and sooner or later, you know, I'm in the Q course, I'm in selection and I'm not going to say it was easy, but I just felt this confidence and uh, belief that I could, I could get through it. I could, I could do anything at that point. Yeah. So then, um, what, uh, what then prompted, uh, I should say, what, what year did you join? 2000. I signed up in 2004, went to basic in early 2005. Gotcha. And then, um, and then when, when did you transition out and what prompted that transition? I transitioned out of the military in, uh, 2000, really 2015. I mean, I, I went from, uh, active duty to the Texas national guard in 2010. Um, and at that time I went to, uh, enroll at the university of Texas. And even though I'd, I'd never played football in my entire life, uh, I decided that I was going to, I was going to walk onto the team and at least try out. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, in 2010, I, I, I came off of active duty, went back to college at the university of Texas and, um, moved to Austin the day before my birthday and two days before classes started and three days before tryouts started and just sort of, you know, opened that chapter, uh, all of a sudden. That's awesome. And wait, so what did you, did you, um, leave active duty for the opportunity to go to college? Yeah. I mean, my enlistment was up. I had the, I had a choice to either, you know, reenlist for uh, a number of, of more years or go to school. And I was 29 at the time. And I just felt like if I don't go to college now, I probably never will in my, for my, in my personal experience. So I just felt like it was the right time to do that. And, and, you know, I was fortunate to be able to stay and continue to serve through the guard. And I went back to Afghanistan a couple other times during, uh, during the summers between, uh, football and school and all that. Um, so I, so I got to keep serving, which I loved. And, uh, but yeah, I just felt like there was, it was kind of a now or never moment. Yeah. So when you, when you, um, when you transition and, and I ask this because, uh, we know a lot of veterans, uh, experience this, did you, uh, did you, did you, um, did you experience any sort of emotional dilemma during your transition after the military? I think everybody does. Anybody that tells you that's either lying, tells you that they're not, is either lying or uh, sort of ignoring it, or they just, or maybe their service didn't mean something special. But um, yeah, I think we all face that uh, a, a dilemma. I think anybody, just human beings, in their in any transition they have in their life, any difficult sort of plot point in the story where. Uh, there's a dra- dramatic uh, change in, in habits and in structure and all that. So, yeah, I mean, it's 
it, it, it's interesting because you can you can look at it in, in several different ways. I mean, you can look at it in the from the standpoint is, okay, now I'm alone. Nobody's taking care of me. I got to figure it all by myself. You know, I have no team. I have no locker room. I have no brotherhood anymore. Or like, okay, I have all these skills I've acquired. Um, and I know how to work together with the team. I know how to um, take orders and, and deliver a, a product, whether it's on the battlefield or not. Um, and now this is a new chapter and I am, uh, it's going to be a little more self-reliant at this point, but, uh, you know, I can go follow whatever dreams I have and pursue any avenue I want to pursue now. Um, given the information that I've, uh, learned over the last several years and, you know, so how can I maximize my potential now? Uh, and I felt like I had that, that way of thinking behind me. And maybe that was a, a product of a lot of the, the men and women I served around that were just go-getters and, and people that, uh, you know, were, were willing to sacrifice and, and volunteer multiple volunteers for not just the military, but the special operations community and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I just felt like this is a great opportunity. This is a new chapter. It's a blank page and, uh, I can, I can write whatever I want on it. And, and that was, uh, I don't know. It was a good feeling to have. It was definitely a very different feeling than when I transitioned into the military. You uh, so you transitioned. You you went to college at uh, University of of Texas. You played on their football team. You had a short stint with my beloved Seattle Seahawks as the long snapper there. Um, and now, um, you know, I know a lot of people recognize uh, your name uh, with recent topics. Um, and for those that are listening, wondering uh, what's going to be discussed, we're not. Uh, but the reason why. I wanted to have you on, Nate, is because you are involved in a number of other things that I think are, are really important and, and really interesting that may get lost uh, amidst the uh, the current news. So um, the first thing I want to talk to you about is Waterboys. And, um, and I remember you and I actually uh, did an interview a couple years ago on a podcast called Fuelful Warriors, and I think Waterboys was just sort of uh, starting up at that point. But um, can you briefly just describe to the audience the the mission of Waterboys and um, what uh, how you know um, the impact that that's having? Yeah, well, Waterboys was started by Chris Long, who's now a defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a St. Louis Ram for eight years. Uh, Patriot last year and won the uh, Super Bowl, and now he's he may be Super Bowl bound again with the Eagles. But he went over to uh, Tanzania, I believe, in 2013 on a trip uh, with some other NFL players. And upon leaving, he just he knew he wanted to do something to to help those those people, you know, especially the the Maasai tribes that live out there in, in the bush in Tanzania. Such a beautiful culture. Um, amazing people for the most part, it's a very friendly nation. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they have their different tribes and diversity and all that, but they all kind of get along and accept each other. So, uh, but the, one of their biggest issues and problems is lack of clean water. You know, they don't have those simple things, uh, you know, education, many of these other things are also are challenges and issues, but clean water sort of feeds it all. Uh, the actual, the, the most popular saying in Tanzania is Maji ni Uhai, which means, um, water is life. And without it, I mean, it, it, it affects obviously your livestock, your crops, uh, if you're a farmer, um, your family, everything. I mean, it's just this crazy snowball effect. So he wanted to do something to give back. 
so we started this Water Boys Initiative, which essentially the, the uh, original goal was to dig 32 wells representing the 32 NFL teams. And he's going to raise money through the locker rooms and fan bases uh, of these franchises to to put the wells in the ground. And then he reached out to me after I got uh, released from the Seahawks and I wanted to know if I wanted to be involved in some way. And, and I, I said, yeah, but can I do something that involves veterans as well? And he thought that was a great idea. So he came up this this plan, this idea to take wounded vets uh, up with, alongside NFL players to climb Mount Kilimanjaro every year. And in the process, we would raise money for these wells. Um, and so we've, we've gone two years the last two years, we're going again this year, uh, coming up in February. And uh, so far, we've been able to be a part of, of putting four wells in the ground through that program. And um, I think we're two or three shy from that original goal of 32, which will be really cool to kind of cap off this year. And uh, and then we'll set new goals. It's really exciting. I love it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, the, I think it's interesting – like clean water, it, it still blows my mind that, um, and you know, this first world problems, right? It blows my mind that this is still such a huge concern in parts of the world, right? And I think it's, um, you know, unfortunately, I think it's something that's often sort of overlooked in, um, in you know, efforts uh, like charitable efforts and stuff like that. I don't think that efforts like this get spotlighted enough, considering how important it is just for you know, like you know, water is life, like how important it is to to be able to deliver that resource to people. People. Right. No, it's really it's it's it's, inc- it's incredible. I mean that 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 like you said that that kind of I guess injustice in a way still exists, and that you know we do have our problems here in, in the first world in America and in a lot of places. And there's it's we're not perfect, and we need to always strive to improve. But we do need to remember how incredibly fortunate we are to live in a place that has things like this. And when 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 you know moments in our history, like even recently in Flint, Michigan, you know where they had a water crisis for for a time and it, and it may still be going on and and maybe that's 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 a my bad on me for not being more socially aware about that but like that that this in much of the world is a is a constant it's not just a you know a one time thing or a, a for a short period of time it's always like these people have never had it you know for as long as they've been alive and uh and it's and, and much of the world billions of people suffer from that and it's pretty it's it's just it's really un, it's hard to believe but it's a, it's an opportunity as well for us um not only as americans but especially i think as veterans to continue to fight for something you know and find a way to to keep serving that may not mean picking up a gun and you know going to war um but uh yeah i mean it's a it's a war on clean water uh but we we we, we embrace those challenges we love that that opportunity to serve again. And we love that, that sense of purpose Yeah, and to see all these people, you know, athletes as well. When we go over there, not only to climb, but to be able to go to these well sites and visit the people. They usually do a big dedication ceremony when they, when they open the well up uh, to the community and thousands of people will travel for miles and miles around to come to it. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty special, man. It's uh, the way that everyone lights up and just, you know, feels like they just were really part of something huge and a big life-changing experience for so many people. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So the other the other project that uh, I know you're involved in that I'm less familiar with is Emerging Vets and Players. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, so MVP was started by uh, uh, myself and uh, Jay Glazer. And we, we came up with this concept 
you know, based on conversations that we had uh, where we were noticing the similarities between uh, combat veterans and professional athletes once they transition out of their, their role, um, you know, and that, that uniform comes off and, the, and the, that feeling like you'll never do anything as important as you did before. And you lose that, you lose that team um, and that, that structure and, and, and purpose. I mean, it always comes back to purpose. Um, it it's, can be hard. You know, it can be really difficult to, to kind of move forward um, in a positive way and to uh, continue to, uh, I don't know, find, find, uh, find purpose, find challenges, and find ways to uh, make a difference and, and feel like you really fit in, you know. And so we developed this concept that was bringing, it was literally merging veterans and uh, players together um, and to, to help them kind of push past that and remember who they are and not just identify with what they were. Um, and, and it's been amazing, man. I mean, to see these guys, you know, grow through our program and, and every, every week we meet in a gym and we work out together and then we kind of sit around and coach each other up and it's just peer to peer counseling. And there's no, there's no magic beans. It's just all about community um, and, and being there for one another and, and saving each other essentially. And, and, and to see all these, these people jump at the chance to go serve again in, in, uh, in the wake of uh, hurricane Harvey, you know, we had 12 of them that just left what they were doing, left their jobs, left uh, their families to go volunteer and sort of deploy again and, and including a couple athletes. And it was just really special to be a part of that. And, um, to watch, to watch people sort of develop in that way. You know, I'm, I'm just really proud to, to be a part of the program. Yeah. I think, and you said that you deployed in, in, um, supportive, uh, relief for Hurricane Harvey. Um, I think that's how you and I uh, got reconnected. Was uh, I believe a colleague of mine uh, was down there as well, um, and you, you were down there with Team Rubicon. Is that right? I was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our our vets from MVP they went separately on their own. They spent a lot longer time than I did. I mean, I was just down there for a couple days uh, down in Rockport. Uh, they they went up to Houston for a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, the you know what. Uh, what I was able to do with team Rubicon was just really, really special. I mean, I, you know, I, I went, uh, I, I went down to, to Rockport, a good friend of mine is from down there and, um, you know, her family had, had experienced quite a, quite a bit of loss and, you know, her, you know, her brother's a high school quarterback down there. And, um, it was just, it was just really interesting to see, uh, all of that and really, uh, really sad but also really inspiring to see like communities come together and people kind of come out of come from all over the world all over the country to, to, to aid you know i mean my team with rubicon was was uh half a dozen uh veterans from different branches and some of them were you know living out in el paso some of them were way back in the northeast and you know firefighters now and doing different things and, and we all just kind of immediately embrace one another, started making fun of one another and, you know, cracking jokes and having a good time while we're cleaning up the rubble uh, from these, this neighborhood, you know, and, and helping these people out that weren't insured. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's just like, it feels like you're just right back, uh, right back on a mission overseas and you're with a new, uh, you're a new, the new squad maybe. And, um, you know, we, we all just kind of mesh together. Uh, and, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see veterans in those sort of situations, how, uh, how we respond, uh, versus I think the civilian world where it's, 
it's a very different uh, <laughs> it's a very different reaction to to crisis, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nate, just a couple uh, quick questions. Um, the first, um, what is a, what is something that you gained from your military experience, whether it be a skill set, a discipline, or a new talent, a new way of thinking, whatever it may be, that you believe is contributing to your success today? Uh, resiliency, you know. I mean, knowing that you just got to stay the course when you commit to something and uh, trust, trust, I guess, the process. I, I kind of hate saying the word process, but – Life is is that, you know, understanding that there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but just to keep chipping away at it and keep grinding and keep your head down and keep your mouth shut uh, and outwork everybody. And those are all things that I learned in the military. If I didn't have that time in, man, I, I have no idea where I'd be. I certainly wouldn't be uh, achieving uh, very much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's just really wild to kind of look back on it and, remember where I was 13 years ago before I signed up and, and feel about, you know, re- remember where I'm at now and, and notice the, the mindset and um, sort of the, the willingness to accept challenges and, and then seek them out uh, continually over and over again. That's all, that's all attributed to my, to my time in the, in the, in the military and the, and the men and women I served alongside and, and those that inspired me and, and also those that aren't here anymore, you know, those that we've lost honoring them. I mean, that's what it's all about for me too, is um, this is an opportunity to, um, to live, you know, to live for them. That legacy uh, of, of those that didn't come back, uh, I think more than anything, they would just want us to make it count, you know, with our lives. They would want us to make their death count and stand for something. And so it's, it's on us. It's our responsibility to do that. You know, to to pick up that slack and uh, and sort of yeah make it count for them, uh, and I have to remember that every day. I think we all do when things get hard, and and you want to sort of throw in the towel or take the easy way. You know, uh, we have got to think of those people. You know, imagine if you had another five minutes with them and look them in the eye and tell them that you were uh, calling it is something you probably wouldn't do. You know, and I think. I think that's an important thing to remember. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in a sense, we're, we're fighting for them, too, as we continue to live our lives. And I'm just fortunate to have another day every morning. And uh, I, I want to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question, Nate. I know we mentioned uh, a lot of good organizations here with what you're doing with uh, Waterboys and, and Merging Vets and Players. We mentioned Team Rubicon and the, the great efforts they have. Um, give me one more veteran or veteran organization that you're familiar with that has you exciting, excited about what they're doing right now. Um, I would say I would say Warrior Rising. I don't know if you've heard of this. I mean, there's I think a few organizations are doing something similar, but um, I have a personal connection with them. I know these guys well. Uh, what they're doing is supporting veteran entrepreneurs. You know, I think there's there's so many different phases to that transition that are important. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about purpose, you know, finding what your purpose is. We talk about service, um, you know, being able to continue to, to serve the rest of our lives. We are men and women of service once we put that uniform on and we always will be moving forward. Um, but also... I think, innovate, you know, being innovators. And I, I, I always believe that the veteran community is going to be the ones that bring our country back together, you know, and re- kind of reunite us through this hard time, uh, but also uh, continue to change the world uh, moving forward. And that means the business world as well, because that, that 
is something that is very important in this country. You know, I, I think a lot of the world looks to us uh, for innovation and looks to us uh, for uh, leadership. And, and we we have all those skills. We have all that background. And we have a lot of dreams. We don't, we're, uh, we're a very, we're a high achieving group, uh, the veteran community, but also um, we've got lofty goals, you know, and, and we've got crazy ideas and, and we think out of the box as well. A lot, of, a lot of times people don't put us in in that category or think of us in that way, but that's, that's absolutely who we are. And so Warrior Rising is, they're supporting uh, these veterans through their, their entrepreneurial ideas and their entrepreneurial dreams and helping them uh, find ways to, to reach those goals through mentorship, uh, but also um, through, you know, through fundraising and giving these, giving these people a chance, giving these people an opportunity um, to really go after it. And, uh, and I think that's really important. And, 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 and uh, yeah, I'm very, very blessed to just be a part of that group and know those guys. Well, uh, you know, it was started by a former, uh, a uh, friend of mine, well, not a former friend of mine. He's a current friend of mine. <laughs> he was a former uh, 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 Green Beret, and and uh, you know he's he's all about his brothers. He's all about the brotherhood, and uh, yeah, it's really it's really special to watch to see him the stuff he's kind of had to overcome in his own life, uh, you know, with some health stuff, and and for him to just keep keep pushing and um, and really support. You know, his, his brothers and sisters, not just the, the ones that wore the green beanie, but uh, ones that, that wore any uh, shady camouflage. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's special, man. I'm, uh, once again, I'm just, I'm just a fortunate person. I'm just very grateful. I mean, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving this week, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for all those people in my life that have, you know, just helped shape me and, and continued to give me uh, opportunities and, and, and mentorship and, and friendship. Yeah, Nate, uh, such great words. I appreciate your all your, your thoughts and um, your insights on great organizations and your service transition. I know veterans really, uh, really appreciate this sort of insights to another veteran's experience, maybe, maybe uh, especially from one that they, uh, that they, they see, you know, in the news and social media often to get, to get your perspective. I think that's uh, really valuable for them. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Thank you for your service. And, and of course, thank you for your continued contribution to the veteran space. Thank you uh, very much, Tim. I really appreciate that. Thanks for uh, putting our stories out there and giving us all a voice, man. It's important. When my husband came home from Vietnam, he didn't really look into all his VA benefits. But now I've got some health issues, and I'm glad VA is there for me. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Then you can check out the show notes. Um, I don't. I, I never bring these up, uh, but uh, if you go to blogs.va.gov, uh, especially on the day of or uh, a, even a, a day or two within release, uh, in the little carousel there, you'll see uh, the graphic for the most recent episode. And you click that, it'll bring you to the blog post for. Uh, the particular episode, a little bit about uh, the guest, and then a little breakdown of sort of what we talked about and uh, things that get mentioned, you know, in the podcast. I try to leave or try to hyperlink in that list of bullet points uh, or somewhere in the description. So, Waterboys, Merging Vets and Players, other things like Team Rubicon, stuff that he mentioned. 
uh, will be linked there if you're looking for uh, more information on that. Uh, some of you may have noticed uh, Monday there was no benefits breakdown. I couldn't get the information I needed together in time for what I wanted to do. And rather than force anything, I decided to skip it. Uh, but we'll be back on track with that coming Monday. We're going to learn uh, about some of VA's homeless initiative, homeless veterans initiatives. Uh, and I got some other things uh, lined up for that. Today's veteran of the day is Air Force veteran Edgar Grabhorn. Edgar served during World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. He served for 22 years from 1942 to 1969. During a mission during World War II, German fighters shot down Edgar's plane and he was held prisoner in Germany until he was liberated in April of 1945. And he went on to perform missions for both the Korean War and the Vietnam War. While he was in the service, he received a degree in electrical engineering and worked in telecommunications after being discharged from the Air Force. And then after his retirement, he pursued his passion for paint and art. Edgar was married in 1953 and has many children and grandchildren. Edgar passed away on December 29, 2010. We honor his service. To read Edgar's full write-up and to nominate your own vet of the day, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up episode 63. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Big thanks to Nate Boyer uh, for joining me. And big uh, special thanks for uh, my colleague for uh, for setting that up. She knows who she is. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more images from our community. Be back Monday with Benefits Breakdown. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Yeah.